So hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel City Podcast. We are well into our new year now and I hope everybody's new year is going as planned. Um, I know that I'm back at work, uh, back at martial arts, back at the gym uh, and loving life. Um, This week's guest is Jen Wilson. Uh, Jen Wilson is um, responsible for the Warrior Women Project and also the I Am Jen Wilson podcast, which I had the pleasure of being the first male guest on um, back in the first week in January. And if you've not caught that, then please go SoundCloud, iTunes and have a listen to that podcast. Uh, we had a really powerful conversation with Jen um, around uh, fitness, uh, nutrition, um, her experience with Crohn's disease and how she's managed to get herself um, well again, uh, med-free. Um, and how she did that so uh, have a listen Um, I hope you take something away from it I hope you enjoy the conversation as I do all the podcasts Um, like last time I'm going to sponsor the podcast um, with a positive um, action or technique for um, better mental health and just going off of the subject matter that we spoke to Jen about this week's is going to be nutrition Um. I know there's a lot of bad information out there. Um, I know there's a lot of good information and trying to get through all that information and get to the stuff that really suits you is can be a bit of a nightmare for people. <clears throat> Personally, um, I have built my uh, diet up over the course of years, finding out what works for me. Um, and I've got a couple of key cornerstones. The first one is intermittent fasting. Um, so between the hours of midnight and 6pm right now, but that fluctuates between 4 and 6 and sometimes 8. I don't eat um, and I only eat between the hours at either 4pm, 6pm or 8pm and midnight. Um, that is something that really works for me. That works for me because um, I'm a muncher and I like my food. So um, it allows me to eat in the way that I enjoy, but also keep my weight down and also found that it keeps um, fat percentages down as well. So intermittent fasting is something that I recommend. Also, 95% of the time or 95% of the week, I will eat um, fish, chicken, meat, beef, uh, eggs, fruit, veg, nuts and seeds. Um, the fruit can be dried fruit, fresh fruit, veg can be frozen veg, um, fresh vegetables, it's up to yourself. Basically what that means for me is that I don't take any processed or cane sugars in. Um, and I've found that this diet is what suits me best for performance in martial arts and in the gym and just in general life. Uh, cognitively, um, I find it very beneficial during the day to be in a state of fast in a state of alertness so that when I'm at work I can perform at my best and then at night I like to comfort myself a wee bit with some food um, but I try and keep those, I don't try, I do I keep those foods 95% of the time to proteins, um, fish, meat chicken, eggs and fruits, vegetables nuts and seeds the other 5% of the week I'll allow myself to eat whatever I want um, I used to be a bigger guy being kind to myself because I used to be 20 odd stone, 22, 23 stone um, and I currently sit about 13, 14 stone. Um, so 5% of the week I allow myself to have that chocolate, have those crisps, have a, a milkshake, have a McDonald's um, and even though there will be people out there that don't agree that giving yourself that 5% uh, sort of carb up day or 
uh, treat day, I like to call it, because I earn it. It's not a cheat. Cheating means that you're breaking your diet. I'm not breaking my diet. This is part of my plan, and I earn it during the week. I do four martial arts classes. I go to the gym five times. Um, I'm on my feet constantly. I'm very strict on my diet, 95% of the time, but that 5%, I feel... Um, just allows me to really focus on good nutrition the rest of the time. So, mental health. Some might be thinking, well, what's that got to do with your mental health? Well, I love the analogy that your body is a car, that your brain's the engine, and that your stomach is the fuel tank. So, if you are driving a diesel car and you're putting petrol into that fuel tank, it's going to break down. Simple as that. And I feel that and myself, that cognitively, I see massive, massive, massive positive effects when I'm good with my diet. If I allow myself maybe a couple of days, maybe even a week, if I'm going on holiday, something along these lines, to start to just let myself lose lose that sort of uh, tight grip that I've got in my, my nutrition, um, I can really feel the impact. If I eat too many treat meals in a week, say I have two instead of one, I can feel that impact, I feel the sluggishness, I feel out of control of my thoughts, um, I just don't feel centred in uh, my usual self, uh, and I love the the saying, garbage in, garbage out, if you're constantly just eating rat crap, if you're drinking loads of alcohol, if you're smoking cigarettes, what you're putting that into your body, what kind of output are you expecting to get from your mind? Do you expect it to be clear? Do you expect it to be positive? Do you expect it to be rounded and grounded? I don't think you can. Um, and there might be people out there that say, well, I'm, mentally I'm I'm fine, but my nutrition, Paul, that's not really what, what how I eat. So, well, I think you could see even greater impacts, even greater output, even better mental health if you get on top of your nutrition. So this week's sponsor is Healthy Nutrition 95% of the time. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Any feedback, as always, we're on Twitter at Rebel City Pod, at Paul Rebel City, at Rebel City Matt. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the conversation we had with Jen. So hello and welcome to episode 14 of Rebel City Podcast. As always, Matt, how's it going, mate? Ah, not bad, mate. Looking forward to get started today. Getting used to the cold weather? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not enjoying it at all. You know, I'm going to go and travel to everywhere with a duvet on me in the next couple of weeks, I think, <laughs> to be honest with you. Nice. I've been walking about a big duvet on for the last month, I think. Um, our guest today is Jen Wilson. How's it going, Jen? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no, nice no, to meet you. Not at all. So you've got, as we can see, the Warrior Women Project. Yeah. Um, I loved your, I took a wee bit of your bio because I loved it. It said, offer of becoming a warrior woman, nine rules to sort your shit. Urban Hippie, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> Body, mind and soul coach and warrior woman Jen is here to help you sort your shit. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you help people <laughs> sort their shit? You can... Through my shit if you want, so, we'll sort of through it. Well, I'm actually, Let me go and get a notepad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually re- going to be rewriting the book, so it's just going to be nine rules to sort your shit so that men don't feel like embarrassed about buying a book that says become a warrior woman on the front of it. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm doing that in the new year. So I'll get get you both a copy. (laughs) (laughs) So basically what I do with the book and with the programme is I get people to take a step back and look at what's actually going on in their life. Because it's dead easy if you are in a negative place to think everything in your life is shite. Mm-hmm. and that nothing's good and there's just you can't see the wood for the trees basically so it's like right, let's take a step back and see what's actually going on here so I get them to do what I call a wheel of happiness and it's marking different areas of your life out of 10 and some things might be right down at two or three and some things might like you might look at it and everything's down at two or three or you might look at it and there's only one or two things so that can help you get better perspective on what's going on right. and sometimes some things need to be down at two or three so that you can put your focus on something else. Because mm-hmm. you can't have all the plates spinning and everything spinning perfectly. There's always got to be a wobble somewhere. Yep. And you have yep. to make the decision at what's important in your life right now. And then once you've got that, it's easier to start dealing with things rather than trying to deal with everything. It's like prioritizing it. Mm-hmm. The next thing I get people to do is look at their values so that they know exactly who they are and how it is they want to show up in the world. Because if you're living by your values, every decision you make is so much easier. When it comes to a conflicting decision, it's well, what works and what goes mm-hmm. by your values. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got that. It's like no-brainer. Yeah. So those are the, the two very first steps that I get people to work on. And once they've got that, it's like, right, okay, I know what I want you to fix and how I fit that with my values. And it makes all the decisions that you need to make. Then we set some goals so that you can start working and putting the steps in into place so that you're working towards that and then I look at things like self-love and self-belief because if you don't believe in yourself it can be really really hard to make those those steps go forward mm-hmm. we look at procrastination because people always think that procrastination can be a really really bad thing but sometimes you need procrastination to make sure that you're on the right track because if you just go straight in for every single thing you're putting even more plates up into the air mm. and you're trying to juggle more things so it's like right take a breather have a look and see what's going on in your life see what it is yeah. that you want to and make sure it's the right decision before you start taking it notice though that if you're just stalling and stalling and stalling and stalling and stalling and then look at why you're actually stalling on it because mm-hmm. it might be that what you said that you wanted you don't actually want so mm. it's like yeah it's making those kind of decisions and then we look at what else do we look at Ooh, I should have read my so see the the, <laughs> the areas that you get them to rate yeah. are they the same for everybody no so yeah. it's like different areas that you get people yeah because what I do you can get a, a um, tool online that's called the wheel of life and if you look at that the headings for that are relationship health spiritual spirituality and religion um career I can't remember, there's another couple of headings, but they're quite vague Mm -hmm. because for some people, health could be their mental health, their physical health, their emotional health, their financial health, like that can be broken down relationships. Well, which relationships are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Are you talking about the relationship with your next door neighbour and your boss or your friends and family? So I get people, I give people a blank one and it's like, right, what headings do resonate with you so that you're working on the things that are relevant to you? And you could have maybe three different wheels. You could have one for your health, one for your relationships, one for your your work and your career and mm-hmm. yeah. break break your life down even in that to try and really get a better picture and get a clearer picture of what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. The idea of self-love is something that I think is quite new to me personally. Yeah. Um, how important do you think it is? It's hugely important, but something I'm still working on like, yeah. because 
I don't know if it's just a West of Scotland thing that you've got, but if people go oh, look at the state of them, he pure loves yourself, he pure loves himself, it's it's an yeah. insult. It's That's not, a negative that you yeah. actually look out for yourself, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you're throwing that negative at somebody, that person probably doesn't love themselves because they're probably alluding something that is giving off a false sense yeah. of confidence mm-hmm. where they don't love themselves, so they're putting the makeup on, putting the outfits on, or acting in a certain way, yeah. driving a certain car to make it look like they are all important and it's all about their insecurities and then you're projecting your insecurities on somebody else so your self-love is really concentrate what's going on in you Mm -hmm. going back to your values who are you what is it that you want from life what is it that makes you happy when you can start working on that then it's easier to take it out and be less judgmental of other people Mm -hmm. oh definitely i think that something that i realized maybe about a year ago is is that because I'm so harsh on myself, I'm super harsh on everybody that's around about me. So mm. if people were like sort of close to me, I would be super judgmental about what they were doing, how they were doing it. But if people were like one step removed, mm-hmm. I was like almost like super supportive. So if I seen somebody like online and I didn't really know them and they were saying like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but like, that's amazing. Yeah. But if somebody quite close to me was saying, I want to do this, I want to do that, I would pick it apart almost because that's what I was doing to myself. Yeah. Mm. Um, was just being super harsh and just thinking nothing's good enough. It needs to be better. And did you find that made you feel better at the time? No, it made mm. me feel like shit. I mean, if if you've got a friend that's coming to you with either a, a creative idea or a career progression or a new girlfriend or any sort of change, positive change in her life, and you're sitting thinking, well, it's not that good, is it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. You're inter- Mainly, I would internalize it. I mean, I wouldn't like shitting on people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they'd be like, but inside, I'd be like, really? Is that something to be shouting about? And then just sort of question, ended up just questioning myself about, mm. like, what does that say about me and how I feel about myself? And I think, in terms of this conversation, I, I would probably like to maybe replace a bit of the cynicism. I'm definitely quite cynical, and I think that's one of the things that yeah. when I try and set goals or sort of move forward in certain areas, um, there's an inner cynic and we can sometimes take control. And I think that expectation that things are essentially going to fall apart at one time or another can be quite a blockage to, you know, improvement and change and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yep, self-love is definitely something I think I could get behind. Yeah, yeah. So even doing things like gratitude and gratitude for what you're grateful in within yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're grateful that you can get up and breathe every morning. You're grateful that you've got your eyesight to see, taste yep. buds to taste, and start working on those smaller things. The day-to-day stuff. Yeah, just the wee things that you take for granted, because it's not until something gets completely taken away from you, like if your physical health deteriorates, and then all of a sudden you go, shit, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Like, even get up and go to the toilet mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, I used to be able to walk, my muscles used to be active, whatever. Mm-hmm. So really taking taking appreciation for what you can do. I think it's easy to see sometimes as well, like from my own personal point of view, like my partner suffers quite chronic ill health with epilepsy and various other things. And one of the conversations we were having the other day was just that she's basically a young woman now essentially trapped in an old woman's body. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, getting the days out where you can go and take the wee into a zoo or whatever it is, and actually do the normal everyday things are something that I think, you know, you could revel in on a day-to-day basis and realise that, it is a, a solid basis for your own happiness, you yeah. know what I mean? It's a gift. Hmm. So what so the gratitude, do you think like is that sort of like journaling? Yeah. It's, like journal? it's better to write thing to write the things down so mm-hmm. that you're getting that proper connection in your brain because you've actually had to make the shapes of the words. Mm-hmm. Is it 
I've tried it of like, oh, just think about the things that I'm grateful for. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. But it goes away because something yeah. else something else comes into your life. So if you actually write it down, it means that if it goes away, you can go back and pick that up and read it again. Mm-hmm. And it's reaffirming it and reaffirming it. But also when you think about what it is you're grateful for, think about what, why you're grateful for that as well, because that then amplifies that that gratitude because it's easy to go I'm really grateful for my taste buds or my sight but mm-hmm. why are you get what what do you get to see what do you get to taste what do you get to feel off of the back of that yeah and then that affirms it even more for you mm-hmm. other things that I noticed um especially the last sort of few years is the the rise of these sort of like filters that people put in their pictures mm-hmm. um and wonder about what kind of effect that has on especially women because I don't I mean predominantly as women that use them yeah. Um, it's almost like another layer of makeup um, where people don't feel confident enough to put their, their picture on like their the own. kind of masks that we've talked about previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a strange thing that, yeah, that there's women out there that don't feel like they can put their face to their social media. They need to sort of cover it up with like a sort of doggy filter that not only puts like dog ears, which is sort of that it also like smooths the skin and makes the eyes bigger. And yeah. You're almost looking at it and thinking, that doesn't look like you. Uh-huh. And what does that like? What does that tell a person? Do you know what I mean? Like sort of internally, if they don't feel like they can take a picture and post it to mm. the world, that they must cover it up. They don't have the confidence. I think that that's another sort of level of self love that you see people, like you were saying, it's almost like false self love that they put out, and they're like, "Oh, I'm having a night out. I'm having a great time. Look at my pictures. Yeah. Everybody like my pictures." Yeah, but then. They're filtering their photo. Also, if you were on that night out, I mean, I've been on nights out or been at parties with people that they're like, had the, the most amazing time with all my mates and tag you in it. And you think, you didn't say two words to me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what but I mean? But it makes like, them look more popular because uh-huh. they've got more names on that makes list. makes them feel, I think. I, I I'm not sure how much yet. Well, a lot of it's got to do with other people, but I think it it's about them almost saying they think that I'm like that, so that makes me feel better about myself. And yep. so we're talking about appreciation of yourself versus gratification. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But you don't, I think when you like yourself like that, it has an adverse effect on your mental health. I think when you know deep down that that isn't the person that you are, it's almost like you're, you're putting your goals out there. You would love to be a social person. You would love to be popular. Yep. But you're not. So how are you, how are you going to manifest that? Well, manifest it by posting and making people think that that's the way that I am when in fact... I'm not really like that. Yeah. So we've had a lot of conversations about how social media is affecting people. And, Definitely. Um, I don't think that we're quite there yet with internet to know the good and the bad sides and what things are having poor sort of effects on people and what things have good effects on people. Yeah, I think we'll probably not see that until the generations that don't know life before the internet mm-hmm. start coming yep. through because we, like, I'm old enough to remember, I remember being in school and them talking about there being this thing that you <laughs> yeah. would be able to send messages across the room to each other and we were all like that, no way. Aye, that Kidding was wild. Aye, no chance. I, can remember, <laughs> I was in about 13 at the time. <laughs> well, I can remember being in secondary school and my dad did a, my dad had poor health, like heart, so he did like therapeutic computer co- computer courses at John Wheatley College okay. and we get the internet put in really early mm-hmm. and I can remember my history teacher saying, is there anybody here that's got the internet? Um, mm. And I was the only person to put my hand up. And he was saying, how do you use it? And I was like, I don't. Because it's like my dad uses it. It's yeah. all like, it's boring. Like there's nothing there. Um, and he said to the class that there'll be a day where everybody in this room will be connected to the internet. 
and no one connected to the internet like Paul's saying through his PC in the living room if we can remember that with the printer yeah. and the PC sitting <laughs> in the living room um, but he had he was talking about things like you'll be connected where you sit and I was this guy was like in his 60s yeah um, and it was like what 1996 1997 yeah probably yeah. Like, wow this guy had proper insight but I, I'm I'm with you I mean there's a there's a I can't remember what comedian but there's a comedian did a joke where he was saying that there's women out there that have got 1.5 million people staring at their arse. What kind of person does that make you? Like, mm. What, mm. How is this person surviving the real world when they get this constant positive, like, you're beautiful, you're beautiful on the internet? Yep. Does it make people want to sort of disconnect for, like, real life? Some of them have got a lot of negative been thrown at them as well, though, remember? Because mm -hmm. as much as they've got all these positives, there will mm -hmm. be trolls out there, keyboard warriors that are saying negative things. And for them, they will pick up on that. And that is what they will probably cling to more than all the positive. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a double-edged sword, really, having yeah. all those followers and having somebody attack you. And mm -hmm. it's like, what for? Yeah, yeah. that's it. It has got, I mean, in, in terms of, obviously, the, the War of Women project and, you know, your promotion at the book and stuff like that, is that something that you've encountered because i know obviously in the world that we kind of live in um you know feminism and feminist topics and you know just you know the social justice warrior kind of carry on that yeah. likes to get thrown about by trolls and stuff like that is that something that you've encountered in terms of you know your work um not particular not recently um when you were talking about filters there was something that had come to mind back before filters were a thing i think before snapchat existed that there was a campaign for, I think it was breast cancer or raising awareness for breast cancer and all the women had to post pictures of themselves without makeup on. Yeah. And I don't wear makeup anyway, so I was just putting up a normal photo of myself. Mm -hmm. but there was a guy actually came on and started attacking, like, like attacking yeah. me going, you're just posting this, you're a narcissist, you're posting this for likes, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, who the fuck are you? Fuck. Yeah. I was like, just for no, I'd never had any negative communication with the guy before. Mm -hmm. He'd done that. With, and with the Warrior Room project, I haven't had, I'm trying, just kind of scanning my brain. I don't think I've not had anybody come on and say anything negative about that. The only other negative thing I've had is people when I posted about my health, because I got diagnosed with Crohn's last year. Mm -hmm. And I went on this huge mission to get my health back on track yeah. and be made free and be symptom free. And I've managed to do that. And I posted about wow. it and... I had comments from other people who are suffering from Crohn's going, oh, well, it's all right for you. And I'm like, no, hang on a wee minute. I've done a full revamp of my whole lifestyle. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've totally re researched everything. I've not listened to anything the hospitals told me. I've taken on board mm -hmm. all the other small studies that they couldn't give me any advice or guidance on. And I've tested that and it's worked for me. Mm -hmm. So what's the beef? Why are you because you're in a different journey. But I was like, I was I had to step back and not go into a conversation mm -hmm. about that because I'm like, I don't want to attack somebody yeah. Yeah. because they're really suffering and obviously in a bad place, but they're attacking me for being in a good place. Mm -hmm. So almost, I think that, if I, to th think about that, is probably people that have either tried and been unsuccessful or they don't feel like they've got the willpower to have, because I, I, I so your Crohn's disease, what was it that you did? Was it like dietary? I had to stop teaching all my classes. Because okay. I, I used to I used to teach 20 plus classes a week. Um, high, a lot of high intensity exercise. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Used to sleep about four hours a night because I was at, back at uni full time studying. I had just a huge amount of stress in my life. So first thing I had to do was start sleeping. 
and actually taking days off and resting because I was working yeah. seven days a week as well because I loved what I did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was just, I, was, I got a buzz out of it. So I was living in adrenaline constantly. Mm-hmm. So I had to do all that. Sounds I... familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, four hours sleep. I, I think yeah. for me, um, you know, sleep is the foundation for any sort of mm-hmm. solid health. I mean, it's yep. been, I've learned to re-taught myself, I'm like yourself, to sleep in recent years. Yeah good solid eight hours a night and it's it's life-changing yeah so i was going to recommend it more and it was never something that the hospital advised me of or suggested to even look at yeah and i'm like when i started doing the research to what crohn's was and how chronic inflammation occurred in the body one of the first things that i came across was a study on sleep deprivation as soon as i read that i was like oh that makes so much sense yeah mm-hmm. and when i started working on that that's when my pain level went down went from an eight down to a four okay within three nights of getting a good night's sleep. That's when crazy. I, when, I told the hospital, when I went up to the hospital and I told them, they were like, mm, it could be, the med- could be the medication that's helping you. And I was like, well, the medication's made it worse so far, so maybe it's the sleep. Mm-hmm. But they, they weren't on board with... Anything other than sort of standard medical practices is sort of like, it's seen as a bit sort of, oh, it's a bit washy or a, a wee bit yeah. like holistic medicine. Yeah. We used to, I mean, we spent hundreds and thousands of years with holistic medicine. We've only yeah. really had modern day medicine for like hundred and odd years. Yeah. yeah. And all, it's almost like we've turned our back on anything that's sort of nature based. Yeah. Um, have you, has CBD come into it in any? I've, I've been taking that for, since April, March, April mm-hmm. um, this year. I've been have you noticed CBD. that? It's an impact. For loads of things it's helped. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. You, I couldn't believe it the first time I took it. I mean, I think I'd uh, because I, I smoke weed anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but it's no there's no CBD and the, the stuff that gets you stoned. Or there's very little. So the yeah. first time I, I I had heard about CBD and tried it, um, I woke up one morning, took it, and just absolutely could not believe the feeling walking to work. Was just yeah. like, what's going on? My alertness went up. Yeah, um, I felt happier for some reason. It was almost like I it's like inflammations like your enemy almost. Yeah. Into it. it's like. It's at the basis of all chronic diseases, mm-hmm. of like all your cancers, diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease, mm-hmm. Crohn's colitis. It's, it's the basis of all of that. When that inflammation occurs in your body, your body can't function the way it's meant to. Because mm-hmm. with mine, the inflammation was all happening in the gut, which meant my body couldn't absorb any nutrients. If you can't absorb any nutrients, none of your other organs are functioning properly. Yeah. And you're not able to, I wasn't able to maintain any weight. I, was, I dropped down to 51 kilos from 67 mm. within about three weeks wow it's just like it's nearly a third of your body weight gone in the space of a month mm-hmm. i could even look at myself in the mirror because i was just a bag of bones mm-hmm. and it was just like oh my god and i was so fatigued from it as well and so weak like trying to get up and go anywhere my mum had to come and i was like an old lady being helped around the house i couldn't carry a shopping basket i couldn't change the sheets on my bed yeah there's so many things that i just couldn't do that i had to get help for mm-hmm. so sleep what else Came off the pill. I'd been on the contraceptive pill for oh, 21 years. It's a horrible thing. Absolutely horrible yeah. thing for women. Um, and I remember reading a study that something about it could disrupt your gut microbiome, so bacterial levels in your gut, if you had prolonged juice. Okay. And I'd asked a consultant about it, and he was like, the study's not big enough to do it. But the study was of 57 women, and of those 57 women that had come off their pill, it was more than 50% of them had gone into remission. I was like, it doesn't matter if there's only 57 women or 5,700 women. That statistic is likely to mm-hmm. still be yeah. a good Valid, number yeah. to try it. Yeah. So he had discouraged me from doing it because he wanted to see whether or not the medication would work. 
This is the thing. It's, <laughs> it's one of the frustrations I've always found, and, and and it's not to be in any way disrespectful to the people of the NHS, but I know that people are well intentioned. It's a massive yeah. bureaucracy, and in a lot of cases, their hands are tied by process, procedure, yeah. and these types of things. But and and our journey, being, again, my partner in her yeah. epilepsy, kind of similar to yourself uh, in certain respects, is that when you go to them with ideas. And, and they go, well, do you know what? No, that's, as you say, maybe not a big enough study or that's yeah. not conclusive or somebody else says something else. I don't get why they don't just go, why don't we just see if this works for you? Mm-hmm. That's what it takes, right? So if, if you've got this idea, try it. we're going to see you in six weeks' time. Between now and then, you go and try that, come back in six weeks, tell us how you feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that, I don't get why that step doesn't come up. And in our journey, mm-hmm. and it sounds like in yours as well, that yeah. has been... You know, a recurring step that's been missed. You know, yeah. if you think it will work, and you want to try it, on you go. Yeah. What's the harm? I think that there's a point where if he, if the consultant said that to you and you went away and tried it and it had a negative effect, you could come back and go, well, "You told me to try it," and mm-hmm. they would try and pin it back. Well, so they're, they've got I, that red tape. Yeah, of, ethics. They really need to watch mm-hmm. what they go. They can go. Hmm, I'm not mm. saying yes, but if you want to try it, but something as basic as sleep, you know. Yeah. 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 get a wee bit more sleep I think if uh, there yeah. seems to be like a, a lack of sort of common sense checks that they do like if you go in and you're sick so chronic illness as well and they don't look at your nutrition they don't yeah. look at your sleep patterns they don't look at the stress levels they don't do that they just uh-huh. go this is the drug that's proven to have the best effect on yeah. this illness yeah. so you just Scatter take gun. that and it's almost like well is that the best is that the best solution for the problem and I think 9 times out of 10 it's definitely not. Um, did you change your diet? I already ate a plant-based diet. Okay. I've been vegetarian for most of my life. Um, so I didn't, I've, through what all the research that I'd read, there was a couple of researches that was suggested that autoimmune paleo would be really good for people. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much just eating meat. Um, but for myself, because I had always been vegetarian, I'd never been able to physically eat meat. There was other studies that showed that being vegan or going through the whole food plant based was a better as a better option. So it's again, it's what fits for you, yeah. what works for you. So try what what works. So my diet, I've been really fortunate. I've not had to make any changes. any changes. There's no food that I used to eat that I eat now that I go probably shouldn't I eat that because it's no. giving me bother. So I've been I feel like I've been really fortunate mm-hmm. in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I one of the big ones for me is sugar. Mm-hmm. Like I think that white sugar, cane sugars, like. I mean, it causes if, inflammation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if, do you know about uh, Rhonda Patrick? You heard about Rhonda Patrick. Mm-hmm. So she's an American. Uh, she's coined this term for herself. She's like a, a psychotherapeutic nutritionist right. who gets sent sort of like last line people mm-hmm. that are about to get sectioned. They've had their own multiple SSRIs and taking like they're just having mental like schizophrenia, yeah. Yeah. chronic so. depression, suicidal thoughts. And she's the last line of defense and she's got like a 90% success rate in changing mm-hmm. people's diets and reducing inflammation in their gut. Um, and she uses this really cool analogy that your gut's like the fuel tank to the car and your yep. brain's the engine. So if you're putting diesel into a petrol car, it breaks down. And that is yep. what she finds is happening in a lot of people is, is that they've just got this high sugar, high carb diet. Yep. And one of the things that she prescribes is, like you were saying, paleo and um, just cut all of the sugars apart from fruit. So yep. she's saying you can have fruit, veg, meat. But nothing else. You can't really take anything else in. Um, I find that fascinating. That um, as mental health 
because mental health issues go up and up and up and up. Our diet seems to, the Western diet is more prevalent in all of these people. Yeah. Um, I find that really fascinating and a 90% success rate in not sectioning patients. Uh, but people don't, they don't the people don't even speak about it. Like if you go to your doctor and you're saying that you don't feel good, you're depressed, they don't even consider and when doctors are being trained, the level of nutrition training that they get is really, really minimal. I think mm-hmm. it's something like 24 hours within the full five years is based on nutrition. Wow. And that is based on the food plate, the eat, eat well plate or whatever it's called, which has been made by a serious company. <laughs> It's funded by the dairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you look at it, it's like, no, just eat natural food and mm-hmm. when you put it in does it agree with you yes keep eating it if yeah. you put it in and it doesn't don't eat it again mm-hmm. yeah like, see loads of people getting good results with things like um degenerative diseases and okay. they're going to just meat based mm-hmm. so they just do purely high fat like well like keto yeah and it, their, their, their symptoms just disappear right. um my girlfriend's gran we were doing a, a version, I, it's not completely keto because I, I need fruit and I mm-hmm. do martial arts. Like, I need quick energy, I need fast acting carbohydrates. But um, she did the same sort of diet, and her arthritis, and women's like in her 80s, arthritis and her joints and everything get better. She started, she's like getting out of bed in the mornings really dead easy. She used to have problems, she used to sit for half an hour, let her knees sort of warm up, and then she would get yep. up. She didn't need to do that. Like, basically, inflammation just went down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that what, like you were saying, mm. I don't blame doctors. I don't, I don't blame like um, practitioners or people that these people's educations are what the problem is. It's what yeah. we're teaching people. I think um, the way we price a lot of food as well is, is counterproductive in these respects because, um, you know, healthy eating is significantly in a lot of cases more expensive particularly in like poorer areas yeah. than going in and buying a 99 pence rustler burger and firing that down your neck you know what I mean mm-hmm. like the actual it's not necessarily junk food but it's also no a lot of times real food that you know people are buying and it's so much cheaper so much more accessible it's for a lot of people who haven't like maybe been educated if a yeah. doctor's only getting 24 hours nutrition education what is your average punter on the street getting you yeah. know what I mean? Like probably nothing. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, zero. I mean, I was uh, when I was growing up, I had absolutely no idea. I think that was one of the things that when I lost weight was that I actually educated myself. It wasn't mm-hmm. that I had to re-educate myself. I had no education. Like yeah. my mum and dad, it was pizza and chips and steak pie and chips and potatoes, and that was just what I ate. Chips, you know what I mean? and, chips and chips and chips and chips. Everything <laughs> chips. Aye, exactly. Just up your traditional Scottish diet and the fry up on the Sunday, though mm. the, it it turns out that the fry up isn't actually that bad for you. That uh-huh. it's the chips. And I was watching the Tyson Fury um, Joe Rogan podcast, and he had, he's went for like nearly 30 stone down to like 18 he's a heavyweight boxer so he's he's quite muscular so he is quite heavy big guy as well six nine um and he would they were saying to him like what is it that you've done he was basically like just eats bacon and eggs and chicken and yeah it's just the weight's just dropped off oh yeah when you shift your fuel for carbs to fats it has a huge impact on like holding on to weight holding on to water and stuff like that um we were talking earlier on about the negative side of sort of the internet. Mm. Um, you're what, the fourth, maybe, like sort of online coach yeah. that we've sort of right, spoke yeah. to. 
and this is an area that I'm intrigued with as well, mm-hmm. that we're starting to open up to, so you don't need to be within the area of somebody that's got sort of expertise. Um, what kind of people do you find? Because it's mind, body and soul coaching that you do. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of people do you find are coming in and what kind of problems is it that they're having? Most of the women that come to me, are, it's confidence in themselves. That's mm-hmm. where they are. That's where their big, biggest issues lie, okay. and because they lack confidence in themselves, they comfort eat, or they won't go to the gym because they feel too self conscious about themselves. So, some of the stuff that I do is working around that confidence and looking at their diet to try and break the habits of the comfort eating. Okay. And I also give I have an app which they can do um, the exercises at home. So I've got some videos with got Pilates and yoga, some meditations, um, and some easy workouts that they could just do from the living room to get them moving mm-hmm. and once they start moving and see what they can do then they can feel more confident to actually go out, out into the world and go to a gym class or go to a, a fitness class or whatever it is that they actually want to do because a lot of people think that they have to go to the gym or have to do a fitness class to get fit they forget mm-hmm. that playing with their kids going for a walk going out for a cycle just generally being active i mean we got a um allotment back in april and working in the garden is yeah. a hugely beneficial. So you you get a lot of benefit for that, don't you? I enjoy the, I enjoy the garden in the yeah. summer. I, it's, I, I've grown to enjoy it. It's something that I used to really hate. Um, but <laughs> I, now I've got, you know, I can fire my headphones on and rattle around in an hour and a half and get, you know, an hour and a half's piece and a bit of sunshine, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, my idea of gardening when I was, I, I, hate, I hate it as well. I still hate it. But it's because I used to get popped out in the garden with a lawnmower. My dad would be like, right, you do that. It's kind of it what I did. It's a chore. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, I don't actually like plant flowers or anything like that. I've got roses that come in every year and I don't know how they're awesome. But <laughs> I claim credit for them. The wee fella next door to me just dominates me with his garden, so he does. Like, but mm-hmm. that's the life when you're retired, isn't it? It's just going chill out in the garden all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a huge uh, yoga movement I th- I like happening. Um, I don't know if you've seen DDP Yoga. You've seen this guy? He used to be a wrestler. Um, so he's created an app uh, and it starts in bed. Okay. So the yoga that he teaches, it starts in the bed. So it's yep. for people that have got blown out uh, knees and shoulders mm-hmm. and naturally can't move. And he progresses. There's a video online of a guy, he was a Marine. And in fact, no, he wasn't, he was a paratrooper. And he had his lower half was just absolutely fucked for jumping out and like landing, obviously, yep. like parachutes. And this guy, and well, I was going to say in the space of 20 minutes, but it's not 20 minutes. It must have been, like, <laughs> I think it was two years. Yeah. The guy goes for bed bound to like squatting in the gym and uh, running. There's like a video of him running. The, the first time he runs, he lets go of the, the sort of walking stick and he starts to like jog a wee bit. And this guy's journey is incredible. And it was all done through yoga. Yep. That was it, start to finish. Um, so I think yoga is one of these things that's really powerful. I think we should be teaching it. Yes. And like sort of schools, primary Absolutely. schools, and yep. getting people sort of moving, and um, I, I so the meditation. Did you say that yeah, you, you yeah, give them sort of, well, so you yep. sort of prescribe meditation to people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need it because we're so distracted yep. all the time. There's so much going on, and people don't know how to quiet in their mind. So when they're trying to chill out or whatever, they're watching the TV or they're on their phone scrolling through social media. It's just more stimulation. It's it? more stimulation, but it's also really numbing. So you don't have to think about your thoughts, but you're also not getting any quiet time. Mm-hmm. And the quiet time is really, really important to be able to tap into your intuition and to be able to start to connect with yourself so that you understand who you are and what it is that you want in life. Because mm-hmm. if you're if you've got too much advertising going on in front of you, you think that you need to be drinking whatever fizzy juice to be fun and happy, whatever yeah. 
car it is that you need to be cool to drive whatever outfits is you're you're constantly bombarded with these messages so if you can take that time away to just shut that off even if it's only for three or four minutes a day to start with yeah is i used to um <laughs> when i used to go out clubbing i, I was always looking for something higher than myself and i actually found that in meditation like the connection that i used to get when i was in a nightclub connected to that music wasted out my face mm -hmm. and then feel like shit for four days afterwards i can get that same happy uplifted connected feeling through meditation yep. it's from sitting in my spare room for 10 15 minutes and i was like I was looking for this all along. It cost me a fortune to try and find this all those years ago. <laughs> all that damage I've done to my body and my Definitely. mind and everything else. I think as well hearing. as the sleep, that's one of the, the kind of things in recent years that I've taken on and it's been pretty transformative is the meditation. Like, as I've kind of come to terms with my mental health over the years, I've, I've always referred to it as like my head noise of the day. Like, mm -hmm. if I'm agitated or that's just the way I always describe it to people yep. is it's just my head's feeling noisy the day. I just need, you know, a chance to sort of pull myself back in. And I went to a sort of group session one time and they closed the group session with like 10 minutes of just guided meditation and I'd never done it. I felt ridiculous. And then I connected with it like halfway through the 10 minutes. Yep. And I, like physically felt the difference that it was making. It was so weird. Yeah. Um, but it's something that again, you know, I've continued on with on the basis and yeah. it's, it is something that again we've recommended a number of times to folk when we've been mm -hmm. talking about yeah. it's huge yeah there's research that shows it helps with reducing inflammation as well so it's, yeah. it's another benefit to how i just i mean i love meditating <laughs> i mean I, I, I try and do it every day i mean I at least get it five days a week if i like that's my sort of like if i if i miss it two days because i'm too busy then that's fine but yeah. i do it every day but i don't understand it if you know what I mean, it's still mm -hmm. a bit of a mystery. I yeah. see the benefits, yeah. but I don't know why or how that happens. Um, I think there was a, a point two months ago where I hadn't meditated for about 10 days. And it wasn't deliberate, mm -hmm. but I did notice that I was like, what's going on here? Why do I not feel quite right? And then realised, fuck, I've not meditated in 10 days. And yeah. then went, right, I'll meditate. And then it's like two days later. Just felt back to normal. Felt back to normal and yeah. just felt like really grounded. It's almost like... Um, if I don't, when I don't meditate, my thoughts get carried away. But when I practice meditation, I can sort of stay on top of my thoughts and just sort of be in the moment and focus on what's happening around about me, rather than just getting caught up in sort of subconscious sort of. Yeah, I, I like to think of meditation as if you think about a snow globe and you shake it up. When you've shaken it up, that's that's all your thoughts going everywhere mental. So when you meditate, it lets all those, it lets all those thoughts ground down and settle, mm -hmm. so you can start to see that see that clearer picture. So if you don't get to put that practice in all the time, you're just walking about with the, the glitter flying all yeah, about the place and like you can't, can't get that clarity. Mm -hmm. And that's all happening on a cellular level. Is the studies that they've done um, was on a specific type of meditation called the loving kindness meditation. And they did it with Tibetan monks because they were all in the same circumstances and were meditating for a certain length of time every single day. So they were taking like blood markers from them. And they found that oxytocin, the, hor the happy hormone, was getting released while they were doing this meditation because of the love and compassion that they were feeling du during the meditation. And that's right. what was helping reduce the inflammation within right. the body. So mm -hmm. be a reduction in cortisone or something yeah, cortisol, like that. Yeah. That'll be like stress hormone going down. So then your yeah. body doesn't. Yeah. Right. So no, no. That's yeah. maybe, maybe I've probably read that and just can't really remember. 
Um, <laughs> me and Matt were talking before you came in about like this thing, the the goddess mini events, the goddess mm-hmm. empowerment days, and fitness that fits you. So, um, I mean, I'll bet they're amazing days. Yeah. What kind of feedback do you get on them? Do you get feedback from the women saying that they didn't realise that things could be a different way because they're getting to experience somebody else's point of view or realise that they're not the only one that's going through through certain feelings and mm-hmm. certain thoughts about themselves. So when we're talking about whatever it is that's going on in one person's life, somebody else will be like, oh, I've been through that as well and this is how I got through it. And it's creating that support and that community feeling of knowing that you're not alone in the world and that your problems are actually replicated in every single person, yep. but they just come out in a slightly different way. But mm-hmm. it's still those feelings of not feeling enough and feeling insecure about yourself. Yep. Um, from my workshops, I had one girl who came a few years ago and she ended up going off to work in China. Like one of her her dreams was to go and um, teach English. She was doing her teaching English as a foreign language course okay. and she wanted to go work abroad. So I was like, well, get your CV done and do it. So I started like, not bullying her, but you know, actively encouraging, actively I'll be, I'll encouraging be digging her. her ups. I'll be digging her <laughs> and I'd send her a message every couple of days, like, you've done that CV yet? Yeah, and she ended up going out to live in China um, for That's a couple cool. of years, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, we've had people that have completely changed careers from what it is they've done. We've had people that have just taken back control of what it was they wanted. So it's really hard for mums to be able to go, I'm going to look after myself first yeah. because the feeling for them is that they've got other people as a priority and uh-huh, they've got right. to look after everybody Care else givers. first. But they're useless they're burning to the themselves other people. Out. Yeah, they're burning themselves out. They're emptying their cup and then sitting there totally dehydrated and yeah. not sure why. And it's like, well, you need to stop and fill up your so cup. so hard for them in that respect because all through, you know, your young and sort of early adult life, all the kind of media and the sort of stimulation that, that we talk about, like it teaches them to prioritise being a wife and being a mother and mm-hmm. being... So I think when they get into that situation... I, think I could understand why so many women struggle to maybe prioritise themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're told for, you know, the first day that somebody puts a doll in their hand that this is <clears throat> what you're destined to be. So, yeah. you know, when you get there, it can become this be all and end all sort of, def- you know, defining thing that they have to prioritise. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, there is a big movement. There's a lot of people out there teaching the look after yourself first because it's like put the oxygen <clears throat> mask on first if you're in the plane crash. Yeah. You've got to be able to be well to help other people Absolutely. and then you can actually help them better mm-hmm. i think this is something that men need um we were talking to uh, a guy jim uh, he's, he's, he does a thing called mlt for men mm-hmm. where he gets guys to come in and they make common health problems that men suffer from like testicular cancer prostate cancer poor mental health um alcoholism yeah alcoholism and they make analogies based on cars and yep. then he talks about like fixing the engine and all these different bits and pieces but he was telling us that to the contrary of the popular opinion that when men start to speak they they properly go for it they'll open up in front of other men and we traditionally think men don't speak and yeah i think it's a lack of community so he had said something about the pub mentality like guys used to have the pub yeah so like every friday night i can even remember my dad doing this i'm sure oh, we were the same absolutely and every friday night he would go to the pub and then he would sit in the pub and then he'd be back down the pub watching the football or going to the football yeah. and something that me and matt used to do with each other is going to the football and I think there's, like, you had just sort of hit the nail on the head. It gives people a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And then this shared ideas and shared problems that we're all facing. As well as safe space. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. one of the things that across a number of the episodes when we've talked to guests and, and similar initiatives and that, that the safe space is something that's vital. That people that can look around the room, see people who have got similar situations, similar experiences to them, and then as you say, when they share that experience, that knowledge that it then reciprocates and you yeah. know, obviously that's the space not being is vital. Judged. Yep, exactly. And they're not being judged. That yeah. just it makes them go, Oh, that's all right. I'm not a bad person, I'm not mental, I'm not yep. whatever. Mm-hmm. They're basically yeah. like group counselling sessions then, aren't they? Because that's yep. like what counselling is, is like a non judgmental environment for you to basically communicate mm. like honestly with somebody that's just gonna listen. Yep. And that's it. I mean, I I think well we've get we've seen a couple of people do ones for men, but they're very sort of specific mm. sort of men's anxiety groups yeah uh, addiction groups recovery groups alcoholic but i like the the broader like let's look at everything and prioritize stuff in your life and sort of give yourself your goals yeah like, they're yeah. like hugely important yeah and men are really good at taking action over things so if you give some if you give a man a list of like what's your problem this is how you fix it go away and fix it mm-hmm. and you don't need to over consume with emotions and stuff unless they actually want to mm-hmm. um it's so most of the women that, that come to me are of more that masculine energy mm-hmm. kind of right i've got this problem and they've either got to a point where they're absolutely fucked off and they need to get it fixed or they are just one of these action takers like you tell me what to do and i'll go and do it and i'll fix it mm-hmm. but it's because somebody else is asking them to do it they won't let that other person down but if they know themselves because they know themselves what they need to do whether it's the diet whether it's the exercise whatever but they won't do it for themselves they need somebody else to tell them to do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that's a human flaw that we have at the moment of not being able to hold ourselves accountable for things for a lot of people Mm -hmm. do you ever get kickback when you try and prod people and make them accountable so if you're checking in do you ever get people getting upset no, they just don't answer. If they've not been doing right. it, they just disappear off the radar. Just mm. ghost you? Yeah. Like a bad Tinder date. <laughs> <laughs> just like, block you on everything. Just like, where did you go? Uh, hiya, how are you getting on? Silence. I'm like, I sent you a WhatsApp. I can see that you read it. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any techniques to try and re-engage people if they do sort of slip off? Because it, it will be a sign that they're just not doing what they know when I mean, you're saying that they yep. know that they need to do these things but that's why they don't reply because they don't want to feel that guilt um do you have a way of like re-engaging people just soft skills or anything? i always just let people know that they can come back at any time because if yeah. they're not engaging with it just now it just means that they're not ready for whatever reason they maybe just need a bit more time or they thought that they wanted to change and they've changed their mind mm-hmm. so i would not i've I've worked with coaches in the past that are like, if you walk away from this program, you're never getting back in. And you're just like, you're a dick. So (laughs) I'm always open to when you're ready, come back to me and we'll have another conversation. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll pick up from where you left off. And like, I would never, never turn somebody away or make them feel. Improvement has to be continuous, doesn't it? uh, If you're ready, why would the door never be open? Yeah. You know what I mean? And you need to know that people are supportive of that and that nobody's going to judge you because you didn't manage to do it the last time because we've all done stuff where we've started it and failed and gone I'll come back to that later and then when you come back maybe and it can be two three four years later you come back to it and then you you do it and you're you're, like you're so much more prepared and ready to do it because there's other things you have to go through before you can get because when you're talking when you think about people they're either moving towards pleasure or away from pain and some people are more motivated by one than the other and you can't Mm -hmm. dictate to that person you can't keep going, oh, here's all the pleasure over here, here's the pleasure. They need to be in enough pain to move away from it. Yeah, yeah. And you can't determine how much that pain is. Mm-hmm. That's no. only That's a big of... sort of thing that I think about a lot when I see a lot of online coaches is what is this person's motivation? 
like you're saying there, somebody's like, if you walk away for this, you can't come back. That's just their their butthurt that they don't. They're so they're basically basing their success on other people's yep. ability to take what they're saying instead of just yeah maybe yeah. even reflecting on how did that. How did I do that? Is there something that I could have done differently? No, this person's motivation just isn't there to do it, right? Yeah. So I can just move on, give my attention to other people. That's their ego getting involved and Very they're starting so, to yeah. just go, well, I've done everything for you and you're just doing not, you're not doing this for me. You're and making it, me a failure. Exactly. Yes. They feel like they've failed because somebody hasn't completed their programme. Um, and I always worry about that when I see people, sort because it, it is like a, a, a growth industry is this online coaching idea mm-hmm. i mean if you go on instagram they're everywhere yeah people just saying i could give you this or even if they're pushing personal training nutritional plans or if it's let's fix your mental health and mm-hmm. always worry about like why is this person like what is this person's motivation is it is it actually help people mm-hmm. or is it i want to make loads of money yeah is it that i want to be this next sort of uh robbins is it tony robbins i want yeah. to be this oh, next the, sort of yeah, famous <laughs> like the posting pictures of themselves basically going look how great i am you can be as great as me if you pay me like yeah um, i found i i'm kind of moving away from the own from having like online programs because i find that i've done it myself you sign up for an online program and because you don't see somebody face to face it's easy it's easy to ignore yeah oh, i'll do that next week yeah it's that it's that accountability so I've I've found that in person has been much is much more beneficial for the client mm-hmm. and also for me as a coach because you do when you put stuff out and people buy it and then they fail at it it's like well, what's wrong with my program there's nothing wrong with the program it's just you're maybe selling it to people that think that they're ready for that but yeah. they're not actually yeah. people as well like you were saying earlier on they're seeing advertisements so yeah. they're looking maybe even looking at your social media and thinking you know jen's really well put together i just i want to be like that i'll just buy that but then like you're saying isn't he really talking to who they are and yeah they're not making their goals about what they want to achieve it's always about i want to be a certain way or i want to say that i'm doing a certain thing i think a lot of people go to the gym like just to say that they go to the gym yes Um, that's why the gyms have got thousands of memberships and if all those thousands of members decided to rock up at the gym at the same time they wouldn't be able to let them in <laughs> because it's like oh you've got ten thousand members in a place that has a capacity for 100 people yeah that's madness mm-hmm. <laughs> would you ever franchise your your program would you let other people like because there's only so many people you can see face to face yeah um i don't know Putting you in a spot. <laughs> no, <laughs> Have you ever met anybody where you thought like I would let them like run my program? Yeah, but they've got their own program. Mm-hmm. I would rather encourage somebody to make their own thing and deliver their own thing mm. than just take a cookie cut version of mine. Yeah, and then they're delivering something they might be excellent at it, but if it's a franchise, then it's got to be done in a certain way mm-hmm. with a certain script, and then that's not them being them. That's them being a watered down version of me. Yeah. So probably no. No, you wouldn't no, do that then. No, actually, thank you for that. There was a bit on the website. It was about um sort of letting go, um, and I was just interested because you must get a lot of people that will come to see you that have get like emotional trauma and sort of things that have happened and. What type of steps do people need to take to let go? It's something that I've struggled with definitely. Yep. With this idea of like forgiveness and just Yeah. Yeah. So what is it that people need to do? Forgiveness is quite an interesting one because when you're not forgiving somebody, they don't really know. 
and all it is is eating you up inside yeah. so when you're forgiven when you forgive somebody it's not about you doing something for them it's for you doing something for yourself it's like putting rat poison down for the rat but you eating it yourself yeah. and expecting the rat to die so if you if you're not given that forgiveness and you don't have to tell the person that you've forgiven them you can just tell the universe i've forgiven that person because they have been a dick and i just have to accept the fact that they're a dick mm-hmm. and then you can let that go from that way because by you going i can't believe that they did that to me and they said that to me that's you're then being a victim yeah. of you're not them own you yeah yeah you're giving them power over something that they should you're they're winning then mm-hmm. that's an interesting sort of point of view it's something that again rings true with me in, in terms of previous experience and stuff like that in life like you know I had a level of bitterness towards certain mm-hmm. things and it came a point where you're like well I've got two choices here it's to continue holding on to the bitterness for no absolute yeah. benefit to myself whatsoever or just go on with my life and yeah. move on you know what I mean like, but it was a pretty lengthy process you know what I mean like, yeah. and it, it's a simple realisation but I think it's something that might take people a bit of time to get there. Yeah, you have to keep asking yourself what is it that you're getting from from that situation. So if you're holding that bitterness, what do you get from that? Is it positive? Is it a negative? Yeah. And working through that because if it's always just a negative, then you are only doing damage to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how do you? So how would you go about sort of letting go? So you can have you could write a letter to them that you never sent. Mm-hmm. So just physically sitting down writing all the things that you think and you feel about whatever the situation is so that it then is releasing that out of your mental space mm-hmm. so you can do it there's also a, ta- a, to- a oh, technique that's what i'm looking for it called tapping where you sit and you go through whatever it is and you tap in different acupressure points and you so you go through all the negative stuff about it and then you bring in all the positive stuff so you tap on each point and re- just repeat over the negative stuff that you want to get rid of and the positive stuff that you want to, to bring in and going through that process a few times, and that can be really, really useful as well because it's just reaffirming all the positive stuff that you want to, to feel and let go of the, the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. And even doing like a muscle energy technique of tensing all the muscles up and let and releasing them and working your way in a, a meditation sort of form. Yeah. You could also use things like NLP. I did. I used NLP a lot after um, my divorce. Uh, because I thought, because with my divorce, we had split up because he wanted to live in Australia, I wanted to live here. And just, we both tried each each country and it wasn't going to work. So log- logically, we were splitting up. It was really amicable. Mm-hmm. We should have been fine. But you yeah. still have to go through a whole grieving process of the yeah. end of that relationship. And I didn't. I went to the arches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then decided to do a detox. And when I went through that detox, all of a sudden my world fell apart because I had nothing to numb the pain that I was going through. Mm-hmm. So I then went and reached out to one of my friends who's an NLP coach. And we did loads of NLP stuff, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And that's just being able to use hypnosis and techniques to change your thought process about things right. and to try and see things from other people's point of view as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it different to CBT? Yeah, because it's all just done within your mindset. Okay. CBT, you're, it's more about the habits that you have. Yep, yep. You, ah, have, you, yeah. you break down your yeah, sort so of thoughts, feelings and then actions and sort of try and intercept at some point. Yeah, so this is all intercepting just within your thought process. So okay. trying to... Right at the sort of source. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. NLP. I've heard people speak about NLP, but I've never really like read into it. And... It sounds very Darren Brownie. <clears throat> so that's the way, you know, yeah. he takes people to those... Mm-hmm. 
almost hypnotic states and you know kind of it's about the language you use to essentially reprogram people's thought processes yeah. and stuff like that i had a i went to <clears throat> this, this who did i speak to this about i can't remember if i did, spoke about this in a podcast but i went to a, a hypnotherapist because i used to be addicted to porn mm-hmm. and um the first thing he said to me was that porn addiction doesn't exist like, right, okay. And he's like, so sit down. And then I just, I, it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Clearly yeah. it didn't work. There was Your like walls were up no connection, yeah. like zero connection with the guy. And he tried. And the funny thing about this guy was, is that, I mean, when I was sitting in the waiting room, he had Celtic Rangers players. He was a sports psychologist and yeah. he was using hypnotherapy to get mm. performance anxiety. So this, this is what he'd said to me was, is that it's just all performance anxiety that it's got nothing to do with an addiction or the way that you've wired your brain or anything. So I was just like, right, okay, I'm just going to get out of here. So I've yeah. not had any good sort of uh, experiences with, with hypnosis. I kind of see that. I mean, I, I've been to like a few hypnosis shows over the years, but like <laughs> I've been so super wary of no wanting to be involved in them that the defences are just up. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm consciously no compliant in a lot of cases. So, you know, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know if that, it might be something that would work for me if I was, you have you know, to, and you have to really trust the person. or whatever, you know, yeah. if I was in that kind of malleable, kind of chilled out meditative state, I'm, I might be more susceptible to it. But yeah. the notion of, some, and it's maybe for me in sort of control issues, the notion of somebody <clears throat> else being in control of what I'm doing is just no for me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, With the most, there's no, you're always in control. Yeah. Like you can at any time be like, nah, this is not for me. So you have to really want, one, the result, mm-hmm. and two, you have to have that trust and rapport with the person that, yeah that you're sitting in front of because you are in a very vulnerable state because mm-hmm. your emotions are going to be exposed. You're in a very relaxed state as yeah. it is and you're in an enclosed room with this stranger. So yeah. there's loads of things that are going on there. So if you just go in feeling not comfortable in that situation, it's not going to be effective. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I think this guy could probably use some sort of like, I'm sure he's probably done qualifications and like how to communicate and counselling skills or something, but I'm pretty sure this guy could just be using a, a refresh. <laughs> Definitely. It was just so arrogant. It was so weird. It was, yeah, it was just this weird experience that I had and it just put me off. I've always, when people say to me about hypnosis, I'm always like, it's nonsense, but maybe I should be a wee bit <laughs> no, more open-minded. It's a real thing. It's just, I don't know. It's uh, Have you seen a rabbit hole into it? The, um, the Darren Brown uh, Joe Rogan I always talk about Joe Rogan I've got uh, a pure man crush I did, on, but <laughs> I, did. I think most how, men have got men, yeah. a man crush on Joe Rogan <laughs> so the, thi- the thing is is that it's so strange like if you see him sitting at his podcast table this is something that even like my girlfriend says he's so attract- such, such an attractive guy and so confident you see him standing next to people he's like that height tiny, <laughs> tiny wee guy and it's almost like what like Aye. is that him he's got this <laughs> massive torso and he's just like so small but the Darren brown one he's actually saying that hypnosis doesn't exist Aye. that it's like a placebo basically it's just a, a state it's a that, very relaxed state it's yeah. a state that you shift mm-hmm. people into and the actual thinking that hypnosis means that yeah it like takes you out of your body or anything mm-hmm. like that it isn't really and nobody's ever really going to do anything they don't already want to do That's i did that. see it it was interesting yeah. also again one of the things we talked about earlier on you know the kind of day-to-day <clears> goal setting i know that that's something that darren brown obviously quite advocates as you know the those day-to-day you know i'm, I'm grateful for you know my lunch and my day you know the other yeah. things yeah. Like said, so it's weird they to were have talking that. about goal setting because um they spoke about tyson fury because his thing was his ultimate goal was to become the heavyweight boxing champion of the world and beat Vladimir Klitschko. And when he did that, his life just collapsed underneath him. Yeah. And they spent maybe four or five years drinking, taking drugs, 
get eating loads of food, get massive, and then he realised that he was severely depressed. And what he did was, is he just went, "Well, I'll just become the heavyweight champion again." And, and um, Darren Brown did what I did actually. And the first thing he said was, "Well, what happens when he wins it? Yeah, what's he going to do then?" Is, is mm. um, and he had said, and I thought this was really interesting that the key is, um, being grateful are things like your breath doesn't smell at three o'clock in the afternoon. He's <laughs> like, if I get to three o'clock in the afternoon and my breath's still okay, I'm grateful for I'm that. And that, that was his key. He's saying that this yeah. is what's key, isn't he? These big, massive life goal plans and yeah. making these big, huge, I want to do this because it's really kind of unachievable for the majority of people. But actually just appreciating that, like you're saying, I've got a bottle of water and I'm thirsty and I'm going to drink that water yeah. and sort of feel the water and go, Look, that, mm. that's good. Like that's a, a, and just appreciating life. Yeah, because I think if you look at people that are at the top of their game, whether they're pop stars or athletes or whatever, and they've got to that top, it's like, well, what's next? And that's why I think so many of them fall off the wagon and they end up with problems with drinking drugs mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. because like they're there and they've maybe not got the, that feeling that they were looking for at the top because they thought that the stardom and being the best was going to tick all the boxes and make them feel like they yeah. had a purpose in life. But totally. it's all the... It's finding and all the mundane stuff that you do from day to day, how amazing that actually is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's I like think. the Alexander the Great quote, into it? Like, no world's left to conquer sort of thing. That, that feeling that once you've got up there, as you say, at the top, that there's nowhere else to go. I, I think it would be quite a daunting thing. I mean, I get daunted by day-to-day stuff. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, never mind, like, pure lifetime career goals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't know what I would do the other side of it myself, to be honest with you. I think, like, about a year ago, I had a real... Re sort of, if anybody can hear scratching, I've got a cat trying to get in the room. I don't think you'll be able to hear it, but um, the yeah, I, I had to re sort of shift in my mind what I seen like because my work I work in retail mm-hmm. and I just hated it. I just absolutely, I'd got to sort of like the top of like retail, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm the sort of I'm at the top of where I can get, yeah, basically. And I just sort of sat back and went, I spent like five or six years trying to get here and I'm here, and I hated it, absolutely hated it. And I had to really just think about what do I like about my job? What do I actually like about my job? I like speaking to people and I like I like helping people. Like if I've got people that come and work in my shop, um, I always say to them, What's your goals? And I've had multiple people that have come in, started and then left them and only things that they wanted to do. So I had two girls that were um, studying to be opera singers and they wanted to move to London and become professional. They both did that. I've had a guy that was my assistant manager and I actually had a word with him basically like retail's dying mate you need to do something else like this isn't the be all and end all and he went and became a computer programmer which is what he was doing with his degree Um, and so I enjoy that and I love that and I love connecting with people and so I just try and do that as much as I can every day I don't go in and I've got certain things that I need to do but I don't see that as my job anymore it's like that is just the things that I need to do to keep the place running but actually my job is to help people and connect with people and that's what I'm going to do more of um, and even just doing that sort of re like wiring a, a, what I see is valuable day to day has had such a massive impact on me. I think if more people could do that in their jobs, everybody that has a job would be ha- so much happier because they are fulfilling. I mean, I was in Costa up at the four a few weeks ago and there was a guy in there and he was clearing the tables and stuff and he was stopping chatting to everybody at the tables and he was noticing everything that was going on in the store. There was a kid like running along the chair so he went over and dealt with that and 
mm. made sure my friend was going up to get her teapot refilled. So he, w- he saw her in the queue and he went up and took the teapot and got it refilled so that she didn't need to wait. And he was just so conscientious at his job and did an amazing job. And I thought if everybody was like that, that could find joy in the work that it is that they're yep. doing, the world would be a much, I think much a better place. a lot of people place. don't realise that it's a choice. Like, yeah. And it's something that I've learned over the years is that I've had I've been in the, the sort of call centre industry for quite a period of time now and up until the kind of halfway point I, I felt completely trapped by it I felt like it just been you know a series of failures since the end of uni that have landed me here yeah um but it's now sort of you know five ten years later I look at it as just I, I realize that you can make the choice to go in and take a level of pride in what you do yeah you know what I mean and those 40 hours of the week definitely go a lot faster when you make that choice to go do you know what I can sit in the corner and sulk for 40 hours or I can go and just try and achieve something. Yeah. Just go and move forward for 40 hours a week instead. And for me, that, that realisation was night and day. But I think that's something that a lot of people, they feel beat down or, you know, dragged under by jobs and they don't realise that that's a choice that they're making to to think yeah. like that. You know Absolutely. What I mean? Well, we're pushed into a sort of corner of <clears throat> living for your next holiday and mm. when's your next the night out and it's this weird sort of thing I mean I've gave up drinking pretty much and it, I always get this weird reaction that are like what why would you do that I was like mm. well because I feel like shit when I drink and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do it is that yeah. alright um, and it's, it's always this weird sort of thing where we're yeah we're sort of pushed into what's the next thing that you're going to get when's the next house buying when's the next car like you were saying earlier yeah. on that is just mm-hmm. almost your next moment of relief Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's like it feel safe. You'll feel safe when you buy the house. And you don't need to rent anymore, and then you're like, mm. but <laughs> got to just... find the money for the mortgage. Exactly, <laughs> and the bills don't go away; they get bigger. <laughs> Try to say to people, even like sort of younger people. I mean, I've owned a house and sold it, and it didn't mean anything. Like it, it yeah. was, it was just the same as renting a house and moving out, except I had less freedom. Like I, I was tied into this house like, and our relationship ended and I had to find tenants to move in. It was such a pain in the fucking arse actually. Yeah. And keep saying to people and they're like, oh, I'm just going to save up my deposit to buy my house. And I'm like, then what? What's Aye. that, what's that going to give you? Oh, it means I don't need to pay rent. It means I can just pay like my mortgage. Which I think is a very baby boomers kind of thought process because back like when my mum and dad were buying their house, they buy a house for 10,000, 20,000 pounds mm-hmm. and it's now worth like 300,000. Now you're trying to buy a house worth 300,000 that's never going to be worth a million. Exactly. You know, it's it's insane. Is that I do own my house that I live in, but that's only because my mortgage is cheaper than my rent. Mm-hmm. When you buy Which is the burn, motivation for quite a lot of people. Um, yeah. Is because it's like double if you're if you're renting. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's, there's a lot of people out there that are pushing for this, like save this deposit, save this huge amount of money so that I can then get my own house and then that'll be me I'll, yep. I'll take care of my house and my house will be beautiful and then that'll be it I'll, yeah. I'll be so happy and then they get there and they buy the house and they, they they don't take care of it because they're like I don't I still don't feel right I still don't feel happy what's mm. happened here it's almost like they've not looked inside yeah their mums <laughs> and dads oh this is what happened to me as well is this like you need to do these things you need to it's almost like this sort of it's ingrained in you yep this yep. path for like education to work to family to house to kids and then it's gold and it's like it's not enough for me just it's not enough for you're me. living for your retirement mm-hmm. it's like because my mom and dad was like that if you put in money by for your, for your retirement and i was like no but i don't i'm not looking forward to retiring because if i've got my books and i've got my courses and i've got 
other stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't. What am I going to do with my time if yeah. I'm not doing that? Will you retire? Like, That's the question. Is is that well, I want to retire if I'm I, doing something that I love. I don't. I don't for me, I, I love what I'm doing, and if I'm making a difference and being able to help people, I don't see what I'll do will change over the years. Like mm-hmm. used to teach hundreds of spin classes, now I don't. Now I teach yoga, and that yoga might change to purely meditation, which might change to just writing and doing that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I can't. I'm not living to to retire. I'm mm-hmm. not counting down mm-hmm. the days and yeah. the months to to retire. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. That's still time um, coming up anyway. So, do you want to just <laughs> tell folk where they can find you? Yep. So my website is warriorwomanproject.com, and I'm also in the new year going to be launching a new website, which is iamjanewilson.com, which will have slightly more more different things on it. It will be inclusive yeah. for men as well. It will well, be inclusive which for men I'll as well. Definitely be looking forward <laughs> yeah. to that. Listen, thanks very much for coming on. You've been a great absolute guest. pleasure. Thank you for we having could have me. I kept going and kept going. Yeah, absolutely. All but day. Thanks a lot for coming on. It's been a joy. <laughs> Thank Cheers. you.